Hello, welcome to You Are My Borough, myself, Dom Shaw and Scott Wilson, both from the Northern Echo. If you're watching on YouTube, then please subscribe, like and, and tell your mates, as we always say, if you're listening on podcasts, then uh, leave a rating and review as well. Um, a losing start for Borough on Saturday at home at Millwall 1-0. Scott, you were there. We're going to have a chat looking back on that game today. We'll have a brief look ahead to the Huddersfield Carabao Cup tie on Tuesday night. We're recording this on Tuesday morning and we'll also have a general chinwag about transfers what else at this stage of the year first things first Scott that Millwall game um you you thought you were being the negative one when you predicted a score draw I fancied a Borough win as it turns out we were both wrong damaging (laughs) punch a home defeat the dust settled now we're a few days on what what are your thoughts looking back um so I think my thoughts are that we're we're at this this strange stage of the season where we're kind of making judgments on where Borough are at at the minute, knowing in the back of our mind that hopefully and, and almost certainly they'll be in a different place come the end of September. So, uh, so sorry, the end of August, start of September. So I think that's kind of where I'm at with it. It was a it was a disappointing game. I thought Borough were poor. I thought they deserved to get beat. And um, for all that, it, yeah, it was a big goal and, and Millwall didn't create loads of chances. I thought threatening team all afternoon. Um, thought Burra, you know, the stats tell you that Burra had way more possession. I think it was about 68% possession, but an awful lot of passing sideways, an awful lot of not really creating anything, not really testing the middle uh, Millwall goalkeeper at all. So I think where I'm at with it is that if this Burra side and squad was to be the Burra side and squad for the rest of the season, then I'd be worried. Um, I'd be fearful that there's just nowhere near enough creativity and goal threat to make a realistic challenge for promotion. The massive caveat is obviously that we're sat here in in pretty early August still, and there is, what, three weeks of the transfer window, and surely Borough are going to bring in at least one forward, a left-back, and and maybe another creative figure in there, and, and they need that, you know what I mean? They need Tuba back in the side, and they need a number nine. Um, and then obviously they need a left back as well. So I think that's where I'm at with it. Disappointing. And I would be worried if this was it for the season, but it's not going to be, is it? I think often at this stage in, in the early weeks of a season, games kind of throw up issues that you already knew about before the game. Because clearly, more often than not, it's either A, injuries or B, transfers and, and, and players and areas yeah. that need strengthening. Did it, did Saturday tell us anything about Borough that we didn't already know? No, I don't think it did really. I think I think, I think think we've known all summer that the Cameron Archer Hall is a massive one to fill and it still is. And I think we've known through pre-season that Morgan Rodgers probably wasn't going to be the long-term answer as a number nine. Now, again, you know, it feels a little bit harsh judging a young lad on one competitive game, but um, it kind of followed the pattern of his appearances in pre-season, which is that he's a really willing runner. He makes good runs. He links play well, but he just doesn't really look a threat in the 18-yard box, and that's what Borough needs. So it told us that told us that without Tuba in the number 10 role, they're nowhere near as fluid or creative as they were last season. Again, Matt Crooks, you know, he tried his heart out, bless him, he, 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 you know, he gave everything, but he just doesn't have that 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 vision or, or that kind of incisiveness breaking into the box that Tuba has. That was clearly missing. So 
you know, we, we saw how important Tuber Akpom is to this team, but again, we knew that. Um, and then again, we probably saw that there's still a big hole there at left back because again, you know, Hayden Coulson didn't do an awful lot wrong to be fair to him, but but attacking wise, he offers nothing like what Ryan Giles offered last season. Um, and you'd potentially, you know, still worry about just how solid he is defensively against a winger who really got at him. Um, so no, I think the gaps that are there are the gaps that we've known are there all summer and that as of yet still haven't been addressed. We 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 talked briefly about this last week, didn't we? But Colson's difficulty is he's he's being judged against the high standards, the incredibly high standards of Giles last season. So like you say, when when you come away, what might ordinarily be a pretty solid left back performance. Yeah, because because of the way we got used to seeing Borough play and the way we got used to seeing Giles play last year, you're almost left wanting a bit more, aren't you? And that and that's going to be a challenge, not just for Colson, but for whoever comes in at left back. Yes, absolutely. And I think the problem for Borough is that that wouldn't be as much of an issue if you had a real rampage and attacking right back. Um, because you kind of saw that balance last season, didn't you? You had Giles bombing on and creating switched them this and you year. had Smith as the solid fullback who could tuck inside if needs be. Now, you know, if Coulson was playing that role, maybe, but the problem is exacerbated by the fact that at the minute you've got Paddy McNair there, who can get forward and will deliver a ball in the box, but isn't an overlapping fullback in the style of a Giles, is he? And Tommy Smith, you know, when he gets back, he's not either. So You'd worry for Borough creatively if both of their fullbacks were, in quotation marks, defensive orientated fullbacks, or at least, um, you know, and I'm not really saying Coulson is that because he does like to get forward, but I just don't think his kind of delivery or his effectiveness at the minute is anywhere near what Giles was given Borough last season. And, and if you don't have that on either flank, then I think that's a concern. And, and, and uh, you know, we, we talked at length, didn't we, last week about the injury situation. Um, and Carrick, you know, being Carrick really <laughs> caught us out again because never yeah. we predicted that Akpom and Coburn were on the bench, and yet by the sounds of it, they were on the bench without ever, without the plan ever being to bring bring them on. Obviously, Johnny Housen came on, but you asked afterwards, didn't you, about why they were yeah. on the bench really if they weren't used? And Carrick said it was because he wanted them as as part of the squad again. Do you, do you get the thinking there? I do actually, yeah. I've seen a few fans be a bit critical of that, but I, you know, if you if you've only got five subs on the bench, it's a different argument. But obviously, in the EFL now, we, there's nine subs, so you can quite easily have two on there that you you're not really going to use. And given that they've missed the whole of pre-season, I think there probably was a value just to have Akpom and Corburn on the bench, warming up with the rest of the squad, backing amongst it. Uh, Housen obviously was slightly different. He, he trained a little bit more and was able to come on for, what, 10 minutes or so towards the end. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with Carrick putting them on the bench knowing he wasn't going to use them when he's got seven other subs he can use anyway. Um, and like I say, I think there probably was a degree of value in getting them back integrated, as I say, getting them involved in the warm-ups, all of that kind of stuff, with a view to, you know, potentially using them a bit on Tuesday night, although we'll see what happens there. But then hopefully at the very least, being in a position where you can bring them on from the bench on Saturday at Coventry. Yeah, and, and, and you know, clearly this didn't turn out to be the case, but there's also the kind of twofold elements of, A, 
the seeing Akpom on the bench gives the crowd a lift before the game. Mm-hmm. And B, if you're the opposition and you see last season's best player in the championship and top scorer on the bench, then that that's bound to get in your mind as well. Now, clearly it didn't work out that way because because he didn't come on and, and, and Millwall obviously ran out winners. But um, you do wonder whether there was an element of that as well. We're, you touched on it there. Do, do you think there's any chance of Akpom and Coburn starting at Huddersfield? How, how soon you could make a case for it, a strong case, couldn't you, after he came on? Yeah. Does it still feel a bit early for Akpom and Coburn? I suspect Housen will uh, start on Tuesday, or, or at the very least, be on the bench to come on for a fair bit more than he came on on on, uh, on the weekend. I'm not sure what you gain by playing Tuber in that game. I think, I think, I think he's probably, you know, I mean, he, by all accounts, he, he either hasn't trained at all or has just done a couple of very light sessions. So I think if that's the case, then. Maybe, maybe you have him on the bench and bring him on for ten minutes just to integrate him like that. Corburn, maybe you take a little bit of a more of a push with, you know, maybe you look at Corburn and think, well, do you know what? Um, we maybe can, uh, not risk it so much, but but push it a little bit further with him because you know he's not as valuable. He's, he's probably not going to start on Saturday, even if he was ready anyway. Whereas Tuba clearly would. So. Um, I think if you push me now, I think if you said if, if one of those was more likely to get more minutes than the other, I'd say probably Corburn. Um, but obviously, House and you would imagine will get the most out of the three and then could start. You often see doing your managers at this time of the year, especially on the back of a defeat, talking about how well you know it, it kind of highlighted what we need. We know where we're short, we know where we're light. Chris Wilder did it last year, didn't he? I was doing it um, at the start of last season and even the very end of the, of the season previous. Carrick did nothing of the sort on Saturday. No, and that's interesting, I think. And there's a few different layers to that, isn't there? I mean, I think so. I think we've seen enough of Michael Carrick now and we've dealt enough with Michael Carrick now to know that he's a manager who very, very much wants to protect every player that he's got. He doesn't cut players out. Um, and 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 but even more than that, he doesn't really even see anything that that could even mildly be interpreted as a real criticism of any individuals within the squad. So, I think I think in his mind he'll be thinking, look, if I start calling out, I need strikers, I need strikers. I haven't got a striker at the club. I need this, I need that. Then, if you're Morgan Rogers and Alex Gilbert who have just walked through the door, you know, is your first reaction then well? This manager's brought me to the football club. He clearly don't fancy me. So I think that's part of it. Um, and that's very much the way that Michael Carrick manages and, and the kind of manager that he is. Um, is part of it the fact that he is a young manager and this is his first real summer transfer window like this? And, and maybe when he gets further down the line, he'll kind of think, do you know what? There is a game to be played here. And maybe I do have to stand up for myself a bit more here and, and, and get out there just the fact that we could have done with these players in by now. I think the more experienced a manager you are, the easier it probably is for you to do that. Like you say, we saw it with Wilder. We saw it with Warnock. We're seeing it to a much greater degree up the road with Tony Mowbray at Sunderland, who, you know, is, is quite happy to sit there in a press conference and say, I need strikers at this football club. We haven't got enough at the minute. Carrick doesn't want to go down that route at the moment. Um, and like I say, I think partly that's just because he doesn't want to say anything that could be interpreted as a criticism of what he's got. But I think maybe also it's the fact that he's still feeling his way around this a little bit. It's all a bit new to him. Um, and, and maybe 
once he gets that bit more experience, it'll be more comfortable, you know, having that having that kind of conversation. But you're right at the moment, you know. I mean, he'd be well within his rights to say now, look, we're into the season now. You know, I've, I've bit my tongue up to this point, but what's going on here? I need I need a striker through the door. We've got another big massive game on Saturday. Potentially, I'm going into that with the same team. Still no experienced striker. You know, this isn't really any good enough anymore. He's clearly not wanting to play that card, is he? No, and um, you mentioned it there with Mowbray up the road at Sunderland, and, and you know how many how many pods and vids at the back end of last season did we end up talking about Sunderland because because of what appeared to be the very real possibility at one point of of the two teams playing each other in the playoffs. But we were saying, weren't we, on, at the weekend that Borough and Sunderland are in are in a very similar position at the minute, and they've got key men out of contract and uh, well, a key man both well, yeah, yeah. and. Both are currently out of action, injured. Although obviously Akpom's clearly ahead of Ross Stewart, um, but then also both in need of bringing in centre forwards. Also, relatively young teams, Sunderland more so than Borough, but with the kind of solid foundations there that just needs the the icing on the cake. Really, obviously they both started with defeat at the weekend, but there are similarities, aren't there? Strong similarities between the two. Yeah, and the fact that both of them have spent all summer looking at centre forwards all over the world that are that bit more experienced than what they've brought in so far and both of them thus far being unable to get one probably says a lot about how difficult it is to be fair to both the clubs you know I mean I think you know we've said it on a previous pod um strikers are the hardest aren't they strikers are the hardest to get because they're the most sought after they command the biggest wages the the clubs don't want to sell them and if they do they want absolute top dollar as a transfer fee so I don't think it's any coincidence that Burr and Sunderland, that like you say, are very much looking at the same kind of markets for the same kind of players. Neither of them have so far been able to get what they want. And, and, and as, as we sit here on Tuesday morning, I don't think either of them are really particularly close to getting what they want either. You know, I don't think either of them are kind of just hovering over the button to press go and the deal's done. Um, so I think that probably speaks volumes for just how tough it is at the moment and how few you know, realistic targets are out there that could walk into a top-half championship team and, and hit the ground running and make a difference straight away. And that's the problem we're going to have between now and the end of August. Everyone knows what they're after, but there's a very limited number of, of players, I think, who, who could fit the bill of what they really want. And, and Mowbray, he, he, and he was talking generally on Sunday rather than just Sunderland, but he talked about how especially when you're looking for centre forwards, you get quote, quoted in his in his words, ridiculous fees. And, and he said, you know, yeah. we, we can't afford those ridiculous fees, um, which, which is why so many top end championship clubs look to tap into the Premier League loan market. And obviously Borough and Sunderland both made good use of that last year. Aaron Ramsey to Burnley, um, a permanent deal. That, I know he's not a centre forward, so it was, was so we're drifting slightly off on a tangent. But that surprised me because w when you talk about last season's low knees and and the possibility of any of them coming back, Ramsey always felt the most likely to me. Archer, you could make a case that um, you know he was ready to push on at Villa, and if he wasn't, then the the obvious next step would be a Premier League loan. Obviously, we know what's happened with Ryan Giles now. Whereas you looked at Ramsey and thought, well, although he impressed at Norwich and Borough, both spells were disrupted by injury. You could make a strong case for another season in the in the championship on loan, especially at a club where they know he's going to play and, and he's going to enjoy it. 
Um, and yet, 12 million quid, it seems like he's he's got a Premier League move to Burnley, which I guess shows two things. A, the sort of market you're looking at. I mean, we were saying, weren't we? You, you know, Borough have probably looked at a permanent deal for Archer and Ramsey. Uh, well, if you're spending 12 million for Ramsey, Archer's going to be 20. Cool. Yeah. Um, and 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 B the fact that you know that I guess the joy if you come and, and, and shine in the top end of the championship on loan the moves that you can get out of it. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that Villa are prepared to sell because it's a very early stage at his career where they seem to have decided you know what let's take the money. But then as you say, twelve million pounds for you know very unproven youngster even in this market is you know, you would say it's a good deal for Villa when they've spent a lot of money themselves this summer, so could do with getting a bit in. You know, I'm slightly surprised they're letting him go, but at that price, I can see why. I think it's a gamble for Burnley, isn't it? I mean, like, you know, Ramsey did well. He caught the eye with Borough. He was really effective in three or four games, but he's had a couple of loan spells now, both of which have been cut short by injuries. So even at championship level, he hasn't done it over a full season. Now, you know, listen, he's clearly a massively exciting youngster, but Burnley will back themselves to be able to develop him and look after him. And, and we might be looking back at this in two, three years' time and saying, God, they got him for 12 million. What a deal that was. At the minute, it feels like a bit of a punt. Now, I guess if you're a Premier League club, you can probably have a 12 million pound punt in this market, can't you? That's where we're at now, I think, that, you know, you, you can probably do that. Clearly, for a club like Borough, a twelve million pound punt is out of the question, and any kind of twelve million pound signing full stop is out of the question, isn't it? So, you know, yeah, you're right. That that underlines the difficulty of the market that, that kind of Borough find themselves in. And I guess is why if it, if you if at all you can, then getting a loan with a buy is is the kind of holy grail because you cover yourself if you do then want to make that move. But understandably. Premier League clubs are, are really reluctant to loan to the Championship on a loan to buy basis, unless it's for players at the other end of their career, um, because they want the chance to do what Villa have done, get him back and then get top dollar for him. And I do think Borough were in a slightly kind of unique position over the course of the last two transfer windows before this one, in that back in the summer, you know, we know there was two factions probably banging their heads yeah. together, really, and coming at it from a different perspective. And then January is a completely different kettle of fish, isn't it, to the summer. And and it's a case of getting what you can. And obviously, Borough made use of Aaron Danks's contacts to bring them both in. Um, whereas this year, the, the feeling is, you know, everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet. But like you say, what you don't want to do is get to the end of next season, whether you've won promotion or not, and 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 your first task be to potentially have to replace three, four, five key players yeah. who've gone back to their parent club. So it's that balance, isn't it? Whereas, you've, you know, the loan market really, you, you, you'd be daft not to try and make the most of it, given the difficulties in bringing in a player. You know, you're never going to go out and buy someone who's going to have, make an impact to Cameron Archer unless, unless you unearth an absolute gem, are you? Um, but then on the other yeah. side, you then face the task of, of having to replace them. Yeah, that's it. I think that, you know, the golfing class between what you can get in the Premier League loan market and what you what a club like Borough can afford to buy in the open market is potentially really, really vast. Um, you know, like you say, you saw it with a, you know, Archer could go for 20 million this summer. That wouldn't be absolutely outlandish. So Borough, in the second half of last season, have managed to get themselves a 20 million pound centre forward up front. Well, 
there's not a cat in hell's chance that they can go and pay twenty million pound to to bring a centre forward in on a permanent basis on, on you know on a four year contract with the wages that that would entail and everything. So that's why it works, and that's why Championship clubs, to a certain degree, have been really reliant on that loan, and obviously exacerbated by the fact that Premier League clubs now hold six, seven, eight strikers on their books, whereas in years gone by, two or three of them would probably have left and then been on permanent deals in the Championship. Now, Premier League clubs are happy to hang on to them, even if that means having to loan them out for a season. I think that's where the world's changed a little bit. And, and with Archer, obviously Archer went out on loan in January last year and January the year previous to Preston. And I know Unai Emery's talked about having... Um, you know, he needs him at the minute because they're obviously planning for, for Europe this year and, and all the games that they might face. But you wouldn't you wouldn't think it completely out the out the realms of possibility that come January again, if he hasn't played much, then Villa think, well, hold on, we we need we need we need him to go out again. But <laughs> obviously Borough's Borough's need is now. Um so it'll be interesting to see how that how that progresses, won't it, over the next couple of weeks. We've got what, three weeks, um, well. Three and a half weeks, is it, till the window? So, But you suspect that is always the case. It's going to go down to that last week, isn't it? That's not to say Borough won't do any business between then and now, but there's no doubt that, that there's still going to be work to be done in that last week, especially if the Premier League loan market is something that they're going to be looking at. Yeah, it is. And obviously the, the kind of elephant in the room with all of this is that I suspect Borough are going to be heading into that last week, still not absolutely enti- entirely certain what might happen with Tuba because the noises out of Sheffield United are, you know, gathering pace, should we say. They've obviously sold and die. By all accounts, there's, there's, there's a little bit of discussion going on between who the management team want maybe and, and who upstairs want, you know, which as we've heard time and time again at the, at the club that we've talked about here. But, um, it, you know, it certainly sounds like Akpom is is one of the players who they are very seriously considering as, as a potential placement for Undai. And, you know, we've talked all summer about Tuba and, and his contract and what will Borough, will, will Borough do and what are Borough doing. And obviously the one thing that hasn't actually happened yet is money on the table to focus minds and make Borough make a, an, a firm decision on what do they see the long-term future of Tuba Akpom being. I suspect we might get there between now and the end of the Jan- of January, that they will have to make that decision. And, and obviously that just then brings a whole new layer of complexity to everything else that's going on. Yeah, because we talked about that a few times, haven't we? For all that Akpom's future has clearly been up in the air. Un- until now, really... The only transfer talk, the only talk of, of links and, 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 and interest has been quite speculative and, and, and mm. not not particularly concrete, has it? Whereas whereas now suddenly, I mean, Sheffield United have been murmured, haven't they, in recent weeks? But that talk does seem to have, to have stepped yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. And, and obviously, you know, the, the departure and dies focus minds there. So, you know, they... they, they um, they won't want to go too far in the Premier League season without what they're doing, I wouldn't imagine. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting because, like I say, we, we've talked endlessly about it, but what we what we haven't had yet is money on the table. And the situation changes a bit when that happens, doesn't it? Inevitably. You know, Borough then really have to decide we either sell or we get him tied down to a new contract. This middle ground at the minute of kind of, balancing it, you know, trying to kind of walk a tightrope between the two doesn't really work anymore if clubs are bidding 
10, 12, 15, whatever million for Tuba Akpom. You, you have to make that decision then. I'd, I'd seen he posted a, a, a tweet with a, an emoji of an egg timer on uh, the weekend. That's classic cryptic tweet territory. <laughs> yeah. And transfer. Could be anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Huddersfield on Tuesday night, then Warnock. We'll just have a brief chat about, about the Carabao Cup yeah. first round game. They lost at Plymouth on the opening weekend. One of many reunions that Warnock's going to face this season. Um, in fact, he's, he's probably how many teams has he managed in the championship? You're not, you're probably knocking on. You could probably make a, a good case for more than half a dozen. We should have checked this before. I was going to say we're edging towards double figures, aren't we? Probably yeah, not quite yeah. there, but edging towards. No, well they've got um, they've got Leicester on on Saturday, Huddersfield, so that uh, that's one game where he doesn't have a have a reunion. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty, one. Pretty yeah. well have some history, I'm sure. Um, He'll have turned it down. He'll have been yeah. turned it down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the, 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 the noises from that end appear to be that Warnock's going to make changes for the cup game, but he doesn't have the options really to make changes. So the team he's going to have to yeah. name against Borough is is isn't going to be particularly strong. Now for all we've talked here about um Borough clearly need to strengthen in several areas. If you look at the changes Borough are likely to make tonight, you've still got players coming in potentially like Vandenberg, Housen if he starts, Martin Piero, Isaiah Jones. Um so although, although Carrick has promised he's going to make changes tonight, the, the team should be strong enough. To advance? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, like you say, you know, there's going to be two or three, you would imagine, of the summer signings. So Glover will play in goals, surely. I would think he'll probably want to get a competitive game into Vandenberg. Silvera, who came off the bench and, and looked pretty bright at the weekend, as he has done throughout pre-season, I think he'll be nailed on the start. Uh, yeah, you would imagine Isaiah Jones will start down the right-hand side. Um, but then within that, you know, Carrick did say, didn't he, quite strongly after the game, I'm it won't be a case of change for 11. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Um, so, and, and, and you know, if you just look at that team there, there's two or three positions, right back, left back, centre forward, centre mid, where he probably doesn't really have that many options to be able to completely change everything. You know, you would imagine McNair and Coulson will probably have to start unless Vandenberg starts in one of the full-back positions, which maybe he could there's probably an argument that you keep playing Rodgers just to try and get a bit of rhythm into him, get him a goal. Um, and again, if, if he doesn't play, then it's probably Crooks. But you might decide you're going to go with that against Coventry if um, if Tube is still not right to start. Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a mix and match team, but I think you're absolutely right. The team should be strong enough to beat what is going to be a mix and match Huddersfield team as well. Yeah, and and um, it was a disappointment on Monday. Actually, as as much as I enjoyed Ronnie Jepson was when I was at Bur when he was at Borough, sorry, and I won't tell the story of bumping him into him at the Caravan Park again. But it, it was Jepson who did the, <laughs> it was Jepson who did the pre match press oh. conference, and you think, yeah, you know, you you always want a bit of Warnock colour, don't you, pre match? But we're gonna have yeah, to get lined up Warnock before Borough. You'll get it, yeah, you'll, you'll get it after the game because it's you there to, tonight, isn't it? So you'll get it after the game. Um. Now I'm away. I'm away this week, and then you're away for a couple of weeks. So we're, we're, we might be slightly off kilter with the pods and vids over the yes. over the course. We, of we the need to apologise to everyone. This isn't just. I always think that your first reaction of people is football. Right, it's taken blooming football season to start. You kids, school holidays, <laughs> kids. That's what it is. Yeah. So <laughs> um, 
I know we promised two a week. If if there isn't for the next couple of weeks, that's why. But we will we will still do one a week. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, the might not be well. There's probably not going to be one at the back end of this week. Um, so we'll have a very quick chat about Coventry just now before we wrap up. But then we yeah. will be back next week, even if it's the back yeah. end of the week. So yeah, bear with us over the course of the next couple of weeks. But just wrap just before we wrap up, Coventry on Saturday. You fancied them to be in in the mix this year. I didn't. By all accounts, they were excellent. At, at Leicester at the weekend. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I think to a degree with Coventry, it's who they hold on to, and obviously at the minute they've only lost Jokeres, which we knew they were going to, but they brought in Sims, who I do think is a pretty decent, you know, maybe not quite the level. Well, yeah, not not quite the level, but not a million miles off in terms of what you could get in the Championship market. Um, so you know, if if they can hold on to. You know the the, the the kind of three or four other big games that we know that shone for the playoffs for them last season. And the minute, obviously, they have, they were in the starting lineup of the weekend. Then, yeah, I I, I I see no reason why Coventry won't be bang up there this season. Um, you know, yeah, I kind of said it with Millwall, didn't I? You know, these clubs that are constantly knocking on the door in the in and around the playoffs that might not be the most fashionable clubs. If they're able to just gradually keep adding little bits every year, they're going to stay up there. Um, Ahead of some of the flashier names, and I think that's the case with Coventry. Yeah, I, I, I am. Um, I would have them in the top six as things stand, with a caveat that, again, you know, they might lose a couple of key men between now and the end of the month, which would really damage them. But if they don't, I'd have them in the top six. I think. Yeah. You, you were saying that you'd said that to Gary Rowett after the game on Saturday. You read God knows how many previews before the championship, and you don't particularly see anyone tipping Millwall to go up. And yet, if you look at the evidence yeah. of the last few years, the, the wise money is that they're going to be in the mix again. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, that's it. I know it's a bit after time in here because obviously they've beaten Borough, but I did have them in the top six in my preview. And I, I think they're a good side, Millwall. I think they've, they've got a rock solid defence that's been there for ages, championship tried and tested. Um, and they've got now a, a, a front three in Nisbet, Fleming, and, and Watmore that, that will cause teams problems. Um, and, you know, and there's a bit of depth to that squad as well. Um, you know, there's there's players to come back there as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think I think they'll be up there. It, di it didn't surprise me that that you know they hit the ground running, if you like, at the weekend because they're just a team. It's a bit like the Luton scenario, isn't it? Where they're not fashionable, but they were up there for a couple of seasons and they've improved on what they were last season. So they finished seventh last season. Why shouldn't they finish higher than that? This I, I think I think Millwall will be genuine playoff challengers. And, and just to labour a point, you know, when we talked about the ridiculous fees that teams have been quoted for the championship, well, you mentioned commentary there and Ellis Sims. Sims looked good at Sunderland last year, but he played less than half a season and, and he, he goes for eight million quid on the back of what half a dozen Everton appearances, which kind of shows the market the borough shopping in. But we'll see how things play out striker-wise, transfer-wise over the next few weeks. Stick with us. Like I say, if, if we're not, if we're maybe a little bit inconsistent with these in the next couple of weeks, it's it's just because we, we kind of miss each other. But there will be pods and videos dropping every week. Um, so as I said at the start, if you're watching on YouTube, then make sure you like and subscribe. Um, leave us a uh, leave us a comment if you want to have a chat. And if you're listening on podcasts, um, then if you could rate and review as well. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.